Are you between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Hello, you're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you are local, you'd like to call in. You have a praise report, a prayer request, general comment. We'd love to hear from you. That local number to call in, 702-650-5588. Again, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you. And that number would be 800-366-8883. Again, for those calling outside the Las Vegas area, please dial 800-366-8883. We are being streamed online from KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just waved to you. We're also being streamed live from Save the Lost at All Costs' website. And our website is www.savethelostlv.org. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, as you know, the gospel is always free in our watch. We encourage you to go to the website, www dot save the loss lv dot org look for the radio broadcast radio archives click the date that you like to listen to or as the spirit leads you and enjoy also if you have a apple device we are being archived for free on itunes as well just look for us at save the loss at all costs now if you have a cell phone and most of us do I strongly encourage you to listen to KKVV on your cell phone. And you want to lock this number into your phone contacts. You can listen to Save the Lost at All Costs right now via your cell phone. Let me give you the number, but let me tell you it only works in the United States. That number would be 563-999-3194. Again, that number is 563 563- Nine 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 thirty one ninety four. So we are going to get into our topic today, and what we are going to talk about is the conquering of the southern kings. Again, today we're talking about the conquering of the southern kings, and uh, I'm sure that you can relate to this. Uh, we fight many battles in our life. But uh, God is very strategic, and it's very important for us to listen, because the victory is already ours. What God has for you, no man can have it. It is yours. That would be any woman either. What is yours, God has for you. So I think a lot of us forget sometime in the process of our battles that we don't have the energy to continue. And when we're strategic, 
and when we listen, God is the source of all your blessings. And that means that he has already fought the battle for you. Just keep that in your spirit. So let's get to it. We are going to go to uh, Joshua 10 today, and I will be reading out of the New King James Version. Uh, there are a lot of different names that are probably going to be foreign to you, and I'm going to do my best in my pronunciation. So uh, I pray the Holy Spirit will guide me and help me to pronounce things correctly because it's quite a few. Now we're going again to Joshua chapter 10. And um, we have our Greek word for today. So um, it's ekthros. Ekthros. It is spelled E-C-H-T-H-R-O-S. And it means an enemy. Hated. Hostile. Um, someone who is openly hostile. Like at enmity, as you saw between Eve and the serpent. So it's an it's an irreconcilable hostility, and it's proceeding out of a personal hatred or bent or inflicting harm. So this is the type of enemy that Joshua was facing. Now. I want to also tell you that Joshua had lost Moses. And Moses had been his spiritual mentor, teacher, and Moses had died. So I want you to keep in your mind that what Joshua had recently experienced. And he didn't just experience it by himself. All the Israelites of the desert had experienced this as well. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. And we're going to look at a few verses. Then we're going to jump over to Joshua chapter 10. So I'm in Deuteronomy 34. And I'm going to look at verses 7 through 9. Verse 7. The word of God says this. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. 8. And the children of Israel wept for Moses and the plains of Moab 30 days, so that the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. 9. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So, here, we see that Joshua and all the children of Israel had a mourning period for Moses. It only lasted 30 days. 
yet they were in the wilderness together for 40 years. There were things to do. God had promised them the promised land, and they were about to walk into it. See, when God has you on a plan, you're on a plan. You won't be late. You will be prepared, and you will be ready. You may not feel like it. You may not see it. But when you're in a relationship with God, then it becomes a faith walk. And that's what we have to understand. A relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is about faith. So, let's look at this mighty battle. Now, in Joshua chapter 6, God had already given them Jericho. When I say them, I'm talking about the children of Israel. And you remember, they walked around once a day, seven times, and it was theirs. So after the fall of Jericho, the men were very confident that they could take a small town of Ai. But they were going to take it by human force as opposed to God's wisdom. Guess what? They suffered a humiliating defeat. Yet it was promised that they were going to be victorious in battle. See, when you try to do things on your own, Away from God, even though he's promised you something, the result is not going to be good. So they had to learn a valuable lesson about trusting. And so they learned how to trust God again. Now, you have to understand, when you have a great battle like Jericho and AI, news travels fast. And it traveled throughout all the land of Canaan. That this Israelite army were on their way to defeat the other ites. You remember those ites, the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, those. So those were people that were considered heathen. They were idolaters and they worshiped false gods. So God said they have to go. There's no way the most high God in all heaven and earth and in all creation was going to have fellowship with other gods or the people that worshipped other gods. No. They had to go. But there were the one people called the Gebanites. And they had heard of Joshua And they had heard about the Israelites and heard what they had did in both Jericho and Ai. So guess what? They concocted a plan to save their own selves. They didn't want to be like the other ites. They're like, we're going to make it. So they were pretending to be ambassadors from a foreign country. And the Gabonites came to Joshua bearing gifts. They told Joshua how they heard about great things this God had done in Egypt. And how he had given them victory in so many battles. So they wanted to have a peace, a peace treaty with Joshua. And they offered themselves to be the servants to 
the Israelites, serfs, vassals. Uh, those would be some words that I would use to describe the relationship that they wanted to have with Joshua. But Joshua, again, did not consult God in this matter to make a peace treaty with them. And it wasn't until days later after Joshua had already said that he wasn't going to hurt them, that they could be in peace, that they weren't foreigners at all, but they were the Gebnonites who lived nearby. Hmm. Well, it didn't take long for word to spread that the Gebnonites had defected the other ites and become allies with the Israelites. So, there were five kings, and they decided to form an alliance of their own and to send their armies to attack the Gebanites to teach them a lesson. So, now the Gebanites, they were strong. They had some of the fiercest warriors there. And they were no match for five kings and their armies put together. So they sent word to Joshua that they desperately needed his help and the help of the Israelites to defend them against the approaching armies. Remember, Joshua had made a pact that even though he was supposed to wipe out the ites, he offered a peace treaty it was offered to him and he accepted it so alright so now they're the servants of the children of Israel and Joshua so that was the background that I think I needed to share with you to bring you up to uh, Joshua chapter 10 so the conquering of the five kings that's what we're going to be talking about today and like I said also if you're just joining us, I will be in Joshua chapter 10, and I will be reading from the New King James Version. And the Word of God says this. Let's get to it. Now it came to pass when Adonai, Zedak, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king. So he had done to Ai and its king, how the inhabitants of Gebion had made peace with Israel and were among them. Verse 2, that they feared greatly because Gebion was a great city like one of the royal cities, and and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty, therefore Adonai Zedak, king of Jerusalem, sent to Hoham, king of Hebron, Piram, king of Jarmuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglong, saying, Come up to me and help me that we may attack Gebion, for it has made peace with Joshua, with the children of Israel. Verse 5, Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of 
Lachish, and the king of Eglon gathered together and went up, and they and all their armies, and camped before Gebion, and made war against it. 6. And the men of Gebion sent to Joshua at the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. 8. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. 9. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. 10. So the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gebion, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makedah. 11. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran, that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There was more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. 12. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still over Gebion and moon in the valley of Ajalon. 13. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had Revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasser? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. 14. And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Now we're going to discuss some things that are going on in Joshua 10, 1 through 14. I think what is pivotal, if we look at verse 14, it says, And there has been no day like that, before it or after it, that the Lord heeded the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. Wow. You just have to let that verse really just marinate in your spirit. We serve an awesome God. The type of relationship we are able to have. See, 
Joshua. has grown tremendously in a relatively short period of time. He was a protege of Moses. He saw Moses not be able to come into the promised land with him. That grieved him deeply. It grieved the people. The children of Israel. Deeply. But they never. Stopped believing. And having faith. In the most high God. They knew. That after 40 years. Truly, he had been with them all along. And that the promised land was for them. And it wasn't that they weren't going to have battles. They had to go in and subdue it. But you will remember, Scripture tells us, That every place where their foot touched, it was going to be theirs. This was a big, big land inheritance. And they were going to cover every ground with each step of their foot and the faith. Because... The Lord was fighting with them. And Joshua knew it. And Joshua participated. Because he had the radical faith that God was fighting for him. And for them, the God of Israel was fighting with Israel. How amazing. That's the same God that we have today. He fights alongside of you in your battles. When he speaks to you and gives you confirmation by his word, that's the time to get excited. You see how Joshua, when we read, In Deuteronomy chapter 34, he was full of the spirit of wisdom. He was ready. He had done his weeping and his mourning. 30 days, that was it. And look what he was able to do. Because it was already foreordained that he was going to have it and it was going to be done. We have to acquire the confidence of Joshua in the battles that the Most High God has already fought for us, has already laid out for you. I told you earlier, no man can have what's already yours. No. 
We must be endued. with the competence of a God like no other. We must stand up. See, our enemy is not scared. They will attack. And they will continue to attack. That's what they do. But you already have to know that the victory is already yours. And it doesn't matter that they keep attacking. That's what you can expect. Now, when we look at the king of Jerusalem, no doubt, at this particular time. King Adonai. Says that. Now, his Lord, his name means Lord of Righteousness. We've heard that before, but it's the opposite of Christ. Matter of fact, if anything, he would be the Antichrist. See, Joshua is a pre-Christ. He represents Christ. So, this king of Jerusalem, he's a false lord of righteousness. See, he was interested in leading nations against Joshua and the children of Israel. That was his whole thing. To defeat them, to wipe them out, and to wipe out anybody who would say that they would serve them. Which are the Gebnites. They got to go too. Matter of fact. He wanted it to be more humiliating. And brutal. For the mere thought. That you think you would even serve. Joshua. And the children of Israel. Now. This could have been done. In a period of weeks or perhaps months. But there is a battle like no other battle you've ever seen. So I wanted to break and let's continue reading so we can get to it. So I'm in Joshua chapter 10 and I am around verse 15. And the word of God says this. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. 16. But these five kings had fled and hidden themselves in a cave at Makeda. 18. So Joshua said, Roll large stones against the mouth of the cave and set men by it to guard them. 19, 19, and do not stay there yourselves, but pursue your enemies and attack their rear guard. Do not allow them to enter their cities, for the Lord your God has delivered them into your hand. 20, then it happened 
while Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they had finished and those who entered fortified cities. 21. And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua at Makkedah in peace. No one moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. 22. Then Joshua said, Open the mouth of the cave. Bring out those five kings to me from the cave. 23. And they did so and brought out those five kings to him from the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglong. 24. So it was then they brought out those kings to Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel, and said to the captains of the men of war who went with him, Come near, put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they drew near and put their feet on their necks. 25. Then Joshua said to them, Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. 26. And afterward Joshua struck them and killed them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging on the trees until evening. 27. So it was at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded and they took them down from the trees, cast them into the cave where they had been hidden and laid large stones against the cave's mouth, which remained until this very day. Wow. Five kings. Kings. They left their people. They left their posts. And they ran and hid in a cave to save themselves. Now, and then Joshua told his men, the captains, the men of war who had been with them, he said, go and put your feet on their necks. He told them, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Be st- strong and of good courage. For thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. It's amazing. What a scenario. You can put your foot On the necks of your spiritual enemies. Be of good and strong courage. It's no time to be dismayed or afraid. The battle and the victory is already yours. They participated fully. 
because they knew that nothing could be against God's word or his divine will. Nothing created could be against God's divine will, his plan or his purpose for your life. No enemy, no demon in hell, no imp, no workers of iniquity could be against God's divine will, plan, and purpose for your life. You have to get that in your spirit, men and women of God. This is the God of Israel fighting with Israel. He's your God and he fights with you and for you. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forevermore. When you are his child, you have his word. You have his sovereignty. He fights. And he hasn't lost a battle yet. So, let's continue. Verse 28. Again, I'm in Joshua chapter 10. I'm in verse 28 now, and I'm reading out the New King James Version. On the day Joshua took down Makeda and struck it and its king with the edge of the sword, he utterly destroyed them. All the people who were in it he let none remain. He also did to the king of Makeda as he had done to the king of Jericho. 29. Then Joshua passed from Makeda and all of Israel with him to Libne. And they fought against Libne. 30. And the Lord also delivered it and its king into the hand of Israel. He struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword. He let none remain in it, but did to its king as he had done to the king of Jericho. 31. Then Joshua passed from Libne and all Israel with him to Lachish. And they encamped against it and fought against it. 32. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, who took it on the second day and struck it and all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, according to all that he had done to Libne. 33. Then Haram, king of Gezer, came up to Lachish and Joshua struck him and his people until he left him none remaining. 34. From Lachish, Joshua passed to Eglon, and all Israel with him, and they encamped against it and fought against it. 35. They took it on that day and struck it with the edge of the sword. All the people who were in it, he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done to Lachish. 36. So Joshua went from Eglon and all Israel with him to Hebron 
and they fought against it. 37. And they took it and struck it with the edge of the sword. Its king, all its cities, all the people who were in it, he left none remaining according to all that he had done to Eglon, but utterly destroyed it and all the people who were in it. 38. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir, and they fought against it. 39. And he took it and its king and all its cities. They struck them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the people who were in it. He left none remaining and he had done to Hebron. So he did to Debir and its king as he had done also to Libne and its king. 40. So Joshua conquered all the land in the mountain country and the south and the lowland and the wilderness slopes and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel had commanded. 41. And Joshua conquered them from Kadesh Benir, Bernia, as far as Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even as far as Gibeon. 42. All these kings and their land Joshua took at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. 43. Then Joshua returned, and all of Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Wow. Man, that, that, that's a battle <laughs> like no other. Just utterly decisive. Who could win a battle against the God of Israel? Who, who could? No one. It doesn't matter what people are saying to you. It doesn't matter what it appears people are able to do. Nothing and no one will stop God's will. Five kings came in an alliance. Wasn't enough. All the ites that lived in the land in Canaan wasn't enough. And God honors his word. The Gebanites they were supposed to be wiped out as well. But they presented themselves as foreigners with the intent on serving Joshua and the children of Israel. And Joshua, even though he did not consult God and went into this peace treaty, 
He was fighting under the banner of the Most High God. And subsequently, they were able to be saved. They knew who God was. They understood his power and his might. They understood that he fought with his people. And that he fought for his namesake. They got it. And they got it very quickly. They were saved because they understood who the most high God was. And it was no time to worship gods that could not even compare to a God that would give his people his name and fight along with his people. There's nothing that you have to be afraid of. When the most high God is on your side. You don't have to be afraid. You have to believe that he is who he says he is. And that he is going to do what he says he's going to do. That's what you have to believe. You have to walk in that. You have to operate in that. The word but shouldn't be. Something that you use to describe him. There's no but with him. It's absolute. And when he wipes them off the face of the earth, they're wiped off the face of the earth. It may seem that powers are rising. It may seem that evil is running amok, that it's having its day in the sun. And if you think that, then I definitely strongly encourage you to look at Joshua 10. Because there, you're going to have your answer. Now, I want to refer to my study Bible. And I want to share with you some things that uh, it has outlined here. When we look at... Verses 1 through 9. The study Bible says the Israelites who were supposed to have destroyed the Gebanites were now allied with them. Even though this was a big mistake, God would remain faithful to his promise and help Israel defeat the coalition of nations now on the attack. God forgives sin and helps us move on, but he does not cancel its consequences. Even so, God can use our bad situations for his purpose. Amen. And when we look at verses 5 through 8, the alliance of enemy kings from the south actually helped Joshua and his army because the enemies had united to attack Gebion. Joshua didn't have to spend the time and resources required to wage separate campaigns against each fortified city represented in the coalition. 
Joshua confidently confronted this coalition of armies and defeated them in a single battle because he trusted God to give Israel the victory. And when we look at verses 6 and 7, Joshua's response shows his integrity. After having been deceived by the Gebunites, Joshua and the leaders could have been slow about their attempt to rescue them. Instead, they immediately responded to their call for help. How willing would you be to help someone who had deceived you, even though you had forgiven him or her? We should take our word just as seriously as Joshua did. And in verses 12 through 14, how did the sun stand still? Of course, in relation to the earth, the sun always stands still. It is the earth that travels around the sun. But the terminology used in Joshua should not cause us to doubt the miracle. After all, we are not confused when someone tells us the sun rises or sets. The point is that the day was prolonged. Not that God used a particular method to prolong it. Two explanations have been given for how the event occurred. Number one, a slowing of the earth's normal rotation gave Joshua more time, as the original Hebrew language seems to indicate. Two, some unusual refraction of the sun's rays gave additional hours of light, regardless of God's chosen method. The Bible is clear that the day was prolonged by a miracle that God's intervention turned the tide of battle for his people. Wow. And when we look at verse 24, placing a foot on the neck of a captive was a common military practice. In the ancient Near East, it symbolized the victor's domination over his captives. These proud kings had boasted of their power. Now all Israel could see that God was superior to any earthly army, any earthly being, any earthly kingdom, any earthly government, any earthly parent. Any earthly earthly child, any earthly boss, any earthly coalition, God is superior to them. There's nothing that's more superior than the Creator. The creation will never be superior. Never, nor the creation's form of government. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ told us he wasn't of this kingdom. His kingdom is eternal. That's the type of God that you have fighting for you, an eternal God, without a beginning or an end. 25, it says here, when God helped Israel 
win the battle against the five Amorite armies. Such a triumph was part of God's daily business, and he worked with his people for victory. Joshua told his men never to be afraid because God would give them similar victories over all their enemies. God has often protected us and won victories for us. The same God who empowered Joshua and who has led us in the past will help us with our present and future needs. Reminding ourselves of his help in the past will give us hope for the struggles that lie ahead. When we look at verse 32, notice that in every Israelite victory, the text gives the credit to the Lord. All of Israel's victories came from God. When we are successful, we may be tempted to take all the credit and glory as though we succeeded by ourselves in our own strength. In reality, God gives us the victory and he alone delivers us from our enemies. We should give him the credit and the praise, him for his goodness. And looking at verses 40 through 43, God has commanded Joshua to take the leadership in writing, excuse me, in ridding the land of sin so God's people could occupy it. Joshua did his part thoroughly, leading the united army to weaken the inhabitants. When God orders us to stop sinning, we must not pause to debate, consider the options, negotiate a compromise or rationalize. Instead, like Joshua, our response must be swift and complete. We must be ruthless in avoiding relationships and activities that can lead us into sin. I'm going to say that again. We must be ruthless in avoiding relationships and activities that can lead us into sin. Wow. That was definitely a great exhortation and a great challenge to us. We must be ruthless. And do it quickly. And do it decisively. Joshua didn't stop. He kept going. Kingdom after kingdom. Has sin. Built a kingdom in your life. Have. Some of your choices been acting as fortification and building strong towers against unacceptable behavior and relationships. See, you have to see Yourself as God sees you. God calls you a royal priesthood. He calls you a peculiar people. He gives you his name. He gave you a son. And a savior. And a Lord. That went to the cross. And love kept him on the cross. 
He eliminated the barrier of sin. As far as the wages of sin. Or death. He removed an earthly death. As being final. That we were able to have an eternal life. That death in this realm didn't mean that our lives were over. That we can have the gift of salvation. And we could live in eternity with a king. Who's the king of kings? Who's the Lord of Lord? The one who makes intercession for us. I hope I encourage you today with Joshua chapter 10 and looking at the conquering of the southern kings. Identify the southern kings in your life. Call out to God again. It will be decisive. It will be glorious. And it will be over. Tap into the God that is the most high God of all earth, heaven, and creation. And make him your God. And you can have these victories too. Save the loss at all costs. We love you and God bless. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 101.5 FM. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website, www.savethelostlv.org. If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org. If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 335852, North Las Vegas 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 335852, North Las Vegas 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.